Welcome back to Dr. Drill's Making Motivation Podcast. My friends, today is the 3rd of October, 2023, and it is a uh, a Thursday. It was a beautiful Thursday. It's about 78 degrees right now. Tomorrow it's going to, I don't think it's going to break 70, and it's going to be, you know, that's that's an accomplishment for August, the August of... uh, 2020 somethings climate change and all that shit so uh i got a lot to say all right i got a lot to say today i'm trying to tackle it all i'm gonna start with some a story um shit i got many of them man every day is a is a story and i'm glad that i see the world that way through stories, I'm trying. I told, uh, I might have mentioned the last podcast. I'm pretty sure I did that. I was my goal being back from vacation, and then I took two very nice vacations over the past month plus. Um, went to Michigan for a week and went to Bethany Beach for a week. I do that every year, and as usual, the vacations are wonderful. Upon my return. I'm very ambitious, you know, I'm excited to get back into my office. I am a businessman and a, and a caring doctor, and I'm excited to get back to my patients, I'm excited to get back to, to myself, to, to really work on myself and be the best possible person, husband, father, friend, doctor, human being that I can possibly be. And, uh, you know, in the course of all that, you know, I get pretty serious. I get pretty intense about it. I I am healthcare on a Marine's work ethic. So everything I do, I do to my my utmost ability. And so I need to, it all comes from the right place, my ambitions, you know, trying to, trying to be my very best. I think that's a worthwhile ambition. I think all of us should try to strive to work on ourselves and so that we can, you know, just be the best that we can possibly be, maximize our potential, really get living, get out the process of living well on this earth and eking out the best possible life that we can and making a difference, leaving something, some kind of legacy, something small even, you know, just, you know, he was a good man or she was a good woman, a good person, a good friend, you know, make people feel a certain way, we care about folks. I give a fucking shit. I, I, I've often said that I give a shit inordinately. I give an inordinate shit, which means that it's, you know, it's an extraordinary effort that I go to. Again, the Marine Corps work ethic thing, maybe that brainwashing, I feel like it's to my benefit. It's to my advantage. It's a good thing. But sometimes I question how hard I can be on myself. And I come back loaded for bear after vacation, you know, I'm like, hey, let's fucking do this. Let's do that. And I can get myself into a little bit of trouble. I think this happens every year for me. It's a cyclic thing. It's like the transition from the schedule to vacation and back again. It'll throw you for a loop. It's kind of confusing. On the one hand, I prize my my time off. I crave it. I need it physiologically, mentally, physically. But I also look forward to that routine, look forward to something predictable, something that helps me control my environment. 
and gives me a feeling like like I I can my works mean something like and I can my best is translatable it's it's it can it's an objective truth as few object, objective truths there are these days in the apparently post-fact era what I can do means a lot to me the result that I can appreciate that I can impact the world in a meaningful way so I'm going to talk a little bit about that because I've struggled um, in my efforts to do this a little bit I've had a little bit of a rough week but I'm going to tell a story first about my daughter whom I love so much this is her first week at work now I shared with you and my son's at the William Penn Inn. He was there last night. He told me he carried some big-ass trays. And he and Lily have working papers. She's 14 and he's 16. And he's doing good. I'm proud of him. Came home last night in his, in his uh, black and whites and with his name tag on, with his puffy hair. And kind of climbed up the stairs. And he looked a little bit more at ease, a little bit more refreshed, satisfied even at a hard day's work. And even though fuckers only gave him five dollar you know tip because he gets paid from the servers hopefully that shit will change he's working a brunch a brunch on sunday i can see that he's catching his stride and he's finding his way and they're feeding him during his shift and uh, it's fucking i'm so proud of him lily she was a little reticent a little reluctant to to go and get a job at an ice cream parlor or, or at a restaurant or something even though she'd do great at it she decided she'd start with dad. So she came in and worked with me Tuesday and Wednesday. And she did an awesome job. But when we're new at something, we don't always hit the mark. And so in our efforts to find that bullseye, we miss a lot. And you don't know what you don't know, right? So she doesn't know how to take payments or schedule or verify insurances. All these things that are really a piece of cake. So it's a little struggle, and so she was stressed. She was stressed, she said, prior to going, told Mandy, and I said, okay, she'll be okay, she'll be with me. Now, she came and worked because Emily's been out sick this week, and uh, she's doing better, but Lily, I've been trying to get her some hours, and so, unfortunately, for my, my confidant, Emily, well, actually, fortunate we had Lily to jump in as Emily's been uh, healing up. And she will be fine. I've been checking on her twice a day. She's got a cold. So. But a bad one, apparently. So, uh, following doctor's orders. Healing up. So Lily comes in and she's struggling a little bit. And I can tell she's a little tense. And so I'm tense. Because I'm like a fucking free nerve ending. I don't know if you know anything about anatomy. But inside our skin, embedded in our skin mostly, also in our joints and other tissues, but mostly the outside of our body, our skin, our largest organ. We've got freaking miscellaneous um, and, you know, countless nerve endings. Some there are different types of corpuscles, right? There's Meisner's corpuscles, there's Pacinian corpuscles, they're named after scientists. And then there's free nerve endings. The free nerve endings are what detect, not, they detect pain and temperature. Actually, it's called, the correct term is called noxious stimuli, potentially noxious stimuli. So potentially damaging stimuli. Is it getting too hot? Is it getting too cold? Are we going to fuck up 
our major organs and systems ultimately fall out of homeostasis and die. Free nerve endings are like, I feel like sometimes like all of my, these usually embedded nerves are in, in the skin, like mine are sticking out like antennae. And like I feel people's pain and like I feel things a little bit too much. I cry at fucking Legally Blonde. I, you know, sometimes I get frustrated, get anxious. I'm like, what the fuck am I anxious about? You know, all the shit that I've done, all the shit that I'm, my capabilities that I know full well, why would I be anxious? So anyway, I'm anxious because Lily's anxious. And we made it through, of course. But uh, so a dozen patients or something on the Tuesday. All the tasks, you know, we get home, she was quiet in the car, I'm like, you okay, honey, you okay? She's, she was just done, you know, like she was full. So she goes, we get home, she tears off into a corner somewhere, she actually hides. Mandy's trying to find her and see how her day was, and she, she goes to seek her out, and uh, no Lily. So we go on Life360, which is a phone app that tells, that shows you where everybody is. If Mandy's coming home from work, I can see her driving down the road as a little icon. See her little picture, and everybody comes home at the end of the day, and everybody goes to work and school, and they can see you can track people, and it's a good thing, um, useful. So we're tracking Lily, and when you're inside the same house, it looks like the icons move around a little bit. So is she? We're like, oh, maybe she's on the deck, maybe she's in her room. Oh, she's over here. Maybe she's hiding. She's playing a joke on us. So Mandy's starting to like get a little like, where is she? Maybe she just want to be found. So this is happening. You finally find Lily. She's out on the deck. And she comes in, and I was sitting on a couch. I'm tired, too. And I see a half dozen fucking heads bob by my window, like the fucking Peanuts gang going trick-or-treating. You know? Coming by your house. Here they come. So I go, oh, who the fuck is this coming up to our door? I literally said that. So, uh, you know, Mandy said, she goes out there, she greets him, and it's like, the North Penn or the Southerton High School principal and accompanied by, you know, like a half a dozen welcome wagon, upperclassmen and women, like try, trying to like break the ice. Hey, welcome aboard. You're going to be a freshman. And so she, Mandy's got her on the, she closed the door. She says, hey, I'll go get her. So she, she, Lily's on the stairs. She's fucking flipping out. She runs up the stairs, comes back down, halfway up, goes back down. She wants, she realized that mom wants her to do this and that she should probably meet these people and get it over with, but she's scared. For some reason, she's scared. You know, she's a little shy, I've mentioned before, whatever the fuck it is. She doesn't want to have this encounter. And of course, as my expression, my, what I voice there, who the fuck is this? I didn't want it either. Like when I'm home, I'm home and I'm not looking for fucking company, you know? And, uh, So Mandy, Lily, goes up in her room finally, and Mandy goes to the door and says, I'm sorry, she's got in the shower. So I said, okay, well, tell her we stopped by, you know, and the coast is clear. So I go up into Lily's room, and she's on, her, on the ground, on the carpet. Mandy's over her, holding her hand, and she's hyperventilating. Like she's having a fucking legit textbook panic attack. And... Again, you know, well, maybe it's founded. I was going to say it's unfounded because Lily's so capable and all this stuff. She's such a wonderful person. But, and I've talked about this before, she's got, she's so awesome 
she's got such promise, such gifts to give to the world. She's going to be, she's going to do great things. But she's shy. She's getting better. I mean, she kicks ass in her cheer. She's was, she came out of her uh, shell during eighth grade and just had all these friends and she's doing great. But she did not want to fucking meet these welcome wagon. I don't like that shit either. Hey, remember I talked about like in my classrooms when I would say, hey, everybody, uh, welcome to Anatomy 101. Uh, let's just go around all 60 of us real quick. Just tell me a couple things about your uh, about yourself. You know, two truths and a lie. Something like that. And I would say, hi, we ain't doing that shit. There's nobody fucking likes it. Your face turns red. Your cortisol goes up. Your freaking heart goes lub-dub, lub-dub too fucking fast. And you don't like to do this shit. It's it, In your efforts to try to make people comfortable, you make them uncomfortable. And I, I commend the welcome wagon for doing what they did, volunteering their time to try to make a difference and do good. But thanks, but no thanks, you know. People have different... Um, methods, strategies uh, to try to become comfortable and, and find their way and Lil's already a little not looking forward to an orientation that's coming where she's got to go to school and, and learn where her locker is and all their classrooms and it's just it's a little scary so uh, we're going to do it our way and Lil will be fine but that was just an example of something that happened where you know it brought back memories of the Jacoby's witnesses who would show up unannounced and on the doorstep and it's like, ooh, oh, here they fucking come. Hide, you know? Of course, of course I would never hide. I'd have to give them the fucking time of day and they'd be interpreting Bible verses. What does it mean about suffering in the world? What, why, do you think the world why do you think the world is so full of suffering? And you have an answer, you know what I mean? So, um, so that that's a little attention getter. My daughter, my beloved, she's so fucking awesome. She's kicking ass to the office. She's finding her way. And at the end, end of the day, she's got a real strong victory. And came back on Wednesday, mind you, and did an even better job and was so comfortable. She has this experience where she just gets overwhelmed. It just becomes too much, you know? And as I'm hovering over her, watching her hyperventilate and just you know, my nerve ending self bare to the world, feeling what she's feeling. I said, you know what? This is me sometimes, you know, rarely, but it happens. There's times where I get overwhelmed. I get, you know, I've done so many fucking things. I stood up on stages in front of hundreds and even thousand people. 1,500 people in one circumstance, being like the entertainment for a school district, you know, telling people, you know, entertaining them and doing my Dr. Drew routine inside a character. I was able to reach so many people and Dr. O, you know, people come in nervous or whatever and I put them at ease. I love doing that. But guess what? I'm also can be a nervous Nelly myself. I, it's inexplicable sometimes. And this week has been that time. Some things can complicate it, okay? I usually feel great after a busy day at the office. I feel, as I've voiced many times before, I feel fulfilled. Even if it was a hard, crazy day, 
and they usually are, I feel fulfilled. Like I've gone through a battle, but I made it through and I made a difference. And that is wonderful. I think that's all that I really ask for in a day in my life is to just be able to make a difference and, you know, do hard things, challenge yourself, embrace change. You know, I do. I never shrink from it. I've never hyperventilated like that, like a child, like a, like an adolescent, you know, having that experience. But I'll tell you what, I've felt a terrible feeling in my a breathlessness inside my chest and like terror, like, holy shit, is this going to stop? Am I going to die? You know, because of some bullshit. I'll explain to you what happened to me. Maybe you can relate to it. I don't know. Probably not because I'm a weird motherfucker. And I'm doing doing well right now. You should know. So last weekend, I had a real busy week. It was my first week after upon returning from Bethany Beach. Had a great time, of course. Came back. And the schedule was busy. It was full. And we were rocking and rolling. Emily kicked ass. Emily and I kicked ass. We freaking owned that week. And at the end of the Friday, close of business, more than 100 patients on the tape, on the you know, in and out of the office that week, we did dominate. We won. We, we were victorious. But I got home. I was so fucking frazzled that week. Uh, you know, just tired. That that night, I get home Friday. We have dinner. Mandy made a nice salad. Made it on the deck. It was wonderful. Nice Caesar salad. And then we settled in that night. And, you know, I, I had a four-pack of beer that I had picked up. And I look forward to that. After a long week or a long day, I'll say a long week, but what really the reality is, my friends, is that it became a daily occurrence. Like on many occasions as I do these podcasts, you can hear me interrupting. Hey, okay, hang out while I jump out real quick or go into the store. What what store am I going to? I'm going to Talmans and Beverage. I'm going to North Penn Beverage. I'm going to a beer store and I'm picking up, you know, not a case of beer, but I'm picking up a four pack of a premium uh, India pale ale, you know, a double India pale ale. So higher percentage beers, alcohol beers, nine, eight, 9%. I love the taste. I love the little buzz it gives you. You know, I love the, the, that at the end of a long, hard day, when you're fucking physically, mentally exhausted, it just kind of helps you forget. It takes you to a place where all the little cares of the day are gone and you're at peace. Just overnight, you wake up the next morning, you know, if I, I, I would drink two beers, often three, every day, you know? By the way, that is, you know, depending upon your source, that's either a healthy thing to do, one to three alcoholic beverages a day, is actually there's benefits to that, or it's at least moderate alcohol consumption. If I was going to be, my family doctor would have asked me, I'd have to say it's moderate alcohol consumption. Every night drinking a four pack of beer. Or a three-pack. I would typically drink three. Because with four, I would be a little hungover. I'd have to uh, 
hydrate in compensation. I would have to, you know, wake up in the middle of the night to fucking take a bunch of leaks, you know, two, three times to take a piss. And then the next morning, I throw down a cup of coffee, another cup of coffee by 9 a.m., 10 a.m. And then I just work. And I'd work, and I worked so hard and so long helping people that at the end of the day, I felt, wow, I felt great. I, you know, I'd be my usual, you know, cheery self helping everybody and caring. And that I would arrive at the end of the long day. And at the end of the long day, at seven, eight o'clock at night, I would stop home and I would pick up a four pack of beer. So I always had enough on hand, you know, I would admittedly get a little bit anxious if I only had a couple beers or whatever, or one, that wasn't enough. I had to make sure that I had the typical dose so that it was, it was enough for me to have the desired effect. And I mean, the desired effect felt good. What does it feel like? Well, I said, you know, it's kind of like a painless at ease feeling. That so many people enjoy, you know, so many people, you know, like to drink their wine or they like to cut loose on the weekends or whatever. And I would never really, I mean, I, I would, sometimes I would drink maybe if I'm really, you know, at a party or something like that, at a family function and we arrive in the afternoon, maybe I'd have six beers across the day, you know. I'd have two at the function, and then when we got home, I would have two or three or four as I'm staying up late watching a, a, some sort of Netflix show and laughing and carrying on. And you just feel like it, it gives the experience a measure. It, it magnifies the experience a little bit, you know? I think that's why people turn to substances a lot, because you're looking for, like, to induce more of a, an effect, you know, you're going to laugh louder. You're going to, you know, you're going to really get to enjoy. And that was my, now was my time. I'm going to watch this show with Mandy. We're going to watch the righteous gemstones. Mary was talking about that is a reverent comedy. And so when you drink a few beers, you laugh a little bit louder and you savor in the experience. And so for, for years, I've, I've done this um, to varying degrees. Now, there was a time 15 years ago, probably now, when I was a new dad. I was sole um, bread earner. I was running a fitness enterprise. I, you know what I mean? I was, it, there was a lot of pressure that I felt. And when you feel a lot of pressure, in your life, you're looking for some sort of way, you just a release from it, you know what I mean? And I think for a lot of people, myself included, it is imbibing. Now, I know I grew up drinking like a fish out in the woods. Everybody I knew, their, their dad, their mom, they would drink. It's kind of what we did. So like I said before, we're like people from coastal places are kind of like pirates. 
they just party like fucking rock stars, you know. And when you're young, you don't always see the you know the tragedy behind that. You don't see too much. I mean, you know, people who would get in, get DUIs or lose their license or shit like that. You knew the blatant drunks, but a lot of the functional alcoholism, um, it was hidden, you know, and it was so common that it was like, okay, oh, you got a hangover? Me too. Drink more. You know what I mean? And when you're young, of course, you can metabolize things differently and everybody remembers a time, most people do, unless you're a fucking nerd, um, where you did shit like this. I talked to a patient this afternoon, real nice young man, beautiful handsome smile, promising kid, said he's going out to college and he's going to work at Bear Creek Ski Resort and he's going to be doing catering there. He's going to study marketing and entrepreneurship. He's uh, He met these girls from uh, this other Cedar Crest University and they're they're from Ecuador and one of them's from Ukraine and they went out doing salsa dancing with them and yeah, he said like a matter of fact, he's like, yeah, I party, you know, like my spare time, I party, you know keeping things interesting, having a lot of fun. I'm like, how old are you? He's like, yeah, I'm 20. Shows up on a crotch rocket, you know. Great kid. Really smart, really mechanical. Fixes people's motorcycles. You know, buys cheap ATVs that are busted, and he fixes them and flips them. It's a really, really promising future for this kid, I think. Um He's saying all this, and I'm thinking about it. I said, how old are you? He's 20. I'm 20. I said, okay, well, this is the sort of shit you do when you're 20. So have a good time. But I want, you, I want to fucking just advise you that you really got to watch yourself. Because a lot of, when your inhibitions are lowered and you're out there partying, and you're with a big crew, sometimes people do stupid things. Just make sure it's never you. And make sure you maintain a little bit of a healthy fear so that you... The mistakes you make are very, very small comparatively because you're going to see people make big mistakes, make life-changing mistakes. And we've all seen that. And I know people, my best friend that I went to boot camp with, John Z, he drank himself to death. You know, my neighbor next to the office, she's got a bunch of tenants. Tuesday afternoon while myself and my daughter were working, the ambulance pulls up. It's not the first or probably the fifth time. And, you know, one of the tenants said she was might hurt herself, but she also might be going to rehab. I knew that she had a drinking problem over the years. Um, so you see these things and you, say, you, you don't ever want to be that. So that humbles you a little bit. And so, you know, I always say I have skin in the game. And so... Look, I don't know if three beers is the devil. I think that I've, I've, uh, I'm trying to be honest with myself here. All of this groundwork to say that my anxiety is like if I'm feeling anxious, I should not drink beer, even though alcohol kind of sedates you and chills you out. You feel like it's the right thing to do. And then last Saturday, after drinking four beers on a a Friday night, again, long weeks, staying up late, watching a show, enjoying some me time, kicking back, cutting a little bit loose. 
nothing too crazy. I woke up at like four in the morning and I couldn't breathe. And I had felt this before. It was anxiety. I couldn't go back to sleep. So now I'm thinking about I'm, I'm experiencing insomnia. I've had that before. It's fucking terrible. So I couldn't go back to sleep. I had to take an anti-anxiety med, which I never do. And I was, it was a painful place. The rest of the day on Sunday, I thought all day, I hope I'm going to be able to sleep. And I said, okay, you know what I'm going to do? Because I, I sensed that the anxiety was being exacerbated, at least to a degree, by the, by the beer. I throttled back on the beer, but I still drank. And rather than enjoying the experience, I kind of choked it down. Assuming that, that there was, that these things were related. And so, um, so I'm done for a while, you know, I feel like I've, I've, I've learned a lesson. It's, it's a very complex thing. This, because you know, 99% of the time I'm behaving, I'm trying to be the best fucking human being that I can. And all I'm looking for in return is some sort of, just a little bit of pleasure, a little bit of release. And there are a variety of ways you can, you can achieve that. <coughs> Excuse me. But um, drinking a few beers is how I... I have done that. It's been my little guilty pleasure over the past. I don't fucking on this scale, you know what I mean? Like, certainly don't drink like I used to. There were days when I would, you know, fifteen, twenty years ago, where I would drink a bottle of wine a day, and really found myself in a tough spot. I've learned how to deal with this, but I've made the association a second time. So, you know, you time goes on and you're okay and everything's cool, but there's like a perfect storm that arrives. It could be that whole uh, transition from, uh, you know, between time on and off and, and trying to hit the bullseye and being intense you know, that whole don't fly too hot, too close to the sun thing. And so it's a byproduct of, of the person that I try to be, you know, that I want to be, that I am. Uh, not for, not looking for perfection, but I, uh, you know, I realize that I have a big responsibility to my family, to my friends, to my patients, to, you know, to, to be a good man. I take that very seriously. So in my efforts to, to do that, I can be a little hard on myself sometimes. And then the world is fucking crazy as shit, of course. 
I try not to watch the news, but you know all the crazy things that go on. I mean, you want fucking crazy? I got a Bengali guy that's a new patient. I love him, of course, you know, but he's, this guy comes in, he's pulling his, he's, he's got dressed like he's fucking a businessman. He pulls up, you know, lays down the table, wants me to massage him. You know, he wants a massage. There's a variety of things I do. I'm working on them. Long story short, next thing you know, we got playing fucking, I'm, I'm playing Bengali folk music, and we're talking about Krishna and how he was a monster, to how, you know, in contrast to Christianity, Jesus is God's son. Krishna is God himself and is in everything. Things inanimate and animate and... He's constantly working in us, and he's not good or bad. Also, Hinduism uh, permits works uh, us to, you know, to, you know, ex- there's an expectation that we do good works that you don't just have, um, you know, in, in real strict Christianity, Christian interpretations, right? They say that your works are like filthy rags; they don't, they mean nothing. All that matters is that you're saved, and and you're going to go to heaven. Well. In Hinduism, it's more complex than that. Anyway, I'm learning a lot about this shit. He said that Krishna, somebody was mad at him, so sent these elephants, these mad elephants that sometimes stomp people to go kill him. And they they went over all aggressively to Krishna, and then their trunks just went limp. Or uh, the time a monster was uh, tasked with eating Krishna, and he ate him, but the monster couldn't digest him, or just, you know, basically his... His efforts to kill Krishna were futile because Krishna is everything and everybody and all that. So I'm learning about Krishna. <laughs> the guy says he got hit by a the biggest, fattest black woman in a CRV or RAV4 in Philly that he's ever seen. He said white people get really fat sometimes, but black people, they get so much fatter. He'd never seen a woman this big. She hit him. At 90 miles per hour. I mean, it's all hard to believe, but yet here's this guy in front of me, and it's it, it's even more bizarre than that. These are the sort of people that come into my life, and when you when you meet these kinds of characters, so varied, so disparate, so interesting, um, you it, it it wigs you out sometimes. And as I, I have mentioned, I am a sponge for this sort of shit. So, I've always got my antennae up, feeling for these things, and, you know, talking to them about shit. I mean, I could go on and on, but, um, so look, beer is not the devil, alcohol is not the devil, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm never going to have a drink, but if I do, um, it's going to be fucking minor, it's going to be like a beer with dinner, or on a special occasion, um, and I'm, I've got a freaking warning shot across my bow, not for the first time in my life and all kinds of things that I, you know, it seems like you ever have something going on and then everything you watch or turn your attention to everyone you meet will tell you something about something similar. Like I'm experiencing anxiety, haste, uh, increased because maybe I drank too much. Maybe I had 
a little bit too much of my fill over the course of vacation and, and then in my efforts to come back to reality. Um, and my neighbor comes out on the stretcher who's had decades problem with alcohol. It's a warning shot. I'm watching goddamn, you know, reels on Facebook. And it tells this guy's name is a comedian. He's like in his late 60s. And he went down to Costa Rica and did ayahuasca, a mind-altering ritual substance, psychedelic. And he's saying, um, look, my, my whole act is that I'm a drunk. That's his comedy act, is that, hey, I drink, I party. That's what his thing. And so when he would do a comedy show or a special or whatever, his entire crew on his dime, he would be getting them fucked up. You know, it was like expected. It was part of the, it was what he did. It was what he endorsed. And it was, it's what he made his, you know, sadly, it's what part of, or, or brilliantly, it's what made his, his career. And now, says he lives in Florida, somewhere in Florida, whatever, and his wife, they got him a, she got him like a, an apartment. She got an apartment right on this uh, really beautiful area where boats come through and everybody's out on their balconies. And all these guys, he said he's going to be almost 70 in five years. So he's got to prepare for 70. See all these people who are retired drunks out on their balconies. And he looks at them and he says, man, I can't fucking be like that. He said that during the pandemic, he's explaining that, you know, everybody's all, all uh, you know, recluse, you know, fucked up, depressed. He has, he's so famous for partying, he had a tequila of his own that was made. That's his tequila brand. And so he probably had cases and cases of this. And he said the bottle went from a cabinet to on a coffee table next to him. And he would just pour a fucking glass of that over and over and over again. And so that's disgusting. That is far beyond what I'm experiencing. But I mean, the point is this, if I want to be at my best and, 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 and you know, my, my business, my life is all about helping people and, 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 and maximizing potential and, um, healthy balance. I can't have anything in my way. I can't have anything making me anxious, making me pointlessly, um, stressed a substance or an aspect of my life that is is in the way, you know, I have to recognize these things and make change. And so, even though drinking my three beers a night is something that I enjoy, it makes me fart, it makes me fat, okay? Those 20 pounds that I've been trying to lose, I guarantee you, that shit's going to melt off me now because I don't have IPAs can be, you know, double IPA can be, 300, 400 calories, one of them. So I'm drinking three of those a night. That's going to be almost 2,000 calories that's off my menu. So I'm going to lean out. I'm going to feel less bloated. I'm not going to feel these, um, the, the mental impact of, uh, of booze. I'm not going to be subject to that. And when I have a, a beer, at, at dinner, 
or a special occasion or something like that, it's going to be a special occasion. It's going to be something that, you know, I enjoy, but I realize, okay, this, this could become a problem. My fucking recycling bin is not going to be clunking around, you know. It's not going to be full. I'm not going to, you know, close the door to my truck after a long week. And among all the things that I bring into the house to unpack, I've got a you know, four-pack of IPAs tucked under my, you know, grass, you know, under my... Uh, when I, under my arm. It, was, it just, it became something. The point is this. I'm not a fucking low-down, dirty, drunk, irresponsible person, but it was too much a part of my life where it was part of my everyday routine, something that I felt compelled to do. And it was something I really looked forward to. And will I miss it? Yeah. But there's aspects of it. It's like, like this guy... In a, in a much lesser extent, like this comedian who said, finally, you know what? This is fucked up. Like, this is way, even though this is something that's been very important to my my life, and it's part of my identity, and I've got a te- my own tequila, it's going to kill my ass. It's, it's, it's hurting me. This guy's going to retire, and he looks around and sees the behavior of these other people and, and what they, you know, their health. And it's just like, wow, that's not, I'm not going down like that. And so I got to, if I'm going to be at my best, if I'm going to help you, if I'm going to be an inspiration to people, most of all, my family, my kids set an example. I just want this out of my life off my table for now. So that's what I'm going to do. 42 minutes into a podcast, I'm passing carvings, you know, that, I, uh, that I've done on Ridge Road here. I want to get back into my wood carving. I just got my tree guy who said I can get what he can get me whatever I want. So I'll make a bunch of pumpkins, make some art, express myself, make people happy. You know, get back in the gym really serious. Maybe run a boot camp on a Saturday. Get the office, you know, as busy as it can possibly be while maintaining some, some reasonable balance. So that I can, I can actually make the difference I want to make. So that's pretty much what I have to say. And I know that that was a long one. Um, I think I covered it all. The title of the podcast was Temperance, Joy, Balance, and Survival. Dodging Chaos. And so, I also want to do some more podcasts, like with other guests. I have my friend Corey Lord, who's like a a motivational sports basketball phenom, who we we talk all the time about, you know, what we we stand for. And I want this guy to, um, I want the opportunity to sit down and talk in a focused way about, you know, all the good that we can do through our work, motivation, helping people. I want to talk to my friend, Chris, who's a former Marine, who just tells some stories and get a little wacky and um, 
laugh and carry on about the Marine Corps-isms and the way things were and are. All the cool things about being Marines and crazy stories and shit like that. This guy's a character. Wait till you hear him. So I really feel like having guests and that that could be the most impactful thing. That requires some organization um, that I need to insert in this whole process, putting time aside. I mean, I just done, I just driven probably 30 miles over the last 40 minutes trying to, uh, in efforts to get this podcast out, but it's something that I wanted to, uh, an expression that I needed to make because I've been feeling this all week. It's been a week, um, where I stand victorious and only because I'm being honest, I feel, and making the right decisions, um, for all. And so, I'm proud of myself. I'm, my anxiety is gone for the most part. I feel a little edgy. Um, but I work through it. I sit in it, as some will say. And uh, I'm sleeping very soundly Monday through Thursday. Sleeping very soundly. I wake up. I freaking maybe get up and piss once in the middle of the night. <clears throat> My elevated blood sugar that I mentioned on a previous podcast, I guarantee you that was in part or perhaps solely due to the three beers that I would drink every night. And uh, fuck that, man. It's not worth it. No, it's not, it's not worth it to me. And so I'm proud of myself. And it's only going to make me better. Now, I know that each and every one of us has our, our poison in life. So if you're a sincere listener, you're probably wondering or thinking, right, you know exactly what your problem is. Maybe you drink, maybe you smoke, maybe you fucking beat your meat on the toilet seat compulsively. Maybe you stress, maybe you eat. Um, I feel like these are things that we are, we rationalize and sometimes we might be ashamed of, particularly on some level when we know somebody who's going through something that we think, oh, could that be me? Look at this person doing that. I do that same thing. I'm not that bad, though. Well, I'll just really watch it. How many people do you know that that's their thing, man? Their poison is they're drinking beer, they're sipping wine. You know, they drink one glass. Hey, maybe I'll drink a glass and a half or two. There's so many things that we, that we do. just in efforts to survive, just in efforts to, to have a little bit of a, a respite from the slings and arrows of this crazy-ass world. And it is. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And we need to 
really be careful because the things that we turn to to try to give us a little bit of breathing room, they can leave us breathless. And on that note, I am going to end this podcast. More tomorrow. Ha!